sometimes we feel like discomfort means don't do it. And that's not what that means, right? And shout out to my therapist, okay? If y'all ain't got one, y'all should get y'all a therapist. Shout out to her, girl. If you watched this, shout out to you. But my therapist told me, she said, um, she said, you know, I understand. I was explaining to her, you know, a situation. She was like, I understand it's uncomfortable. She was like, but uncomfortable doesn't give you the green light or the red light to stop. She was like, it cannot dictate your actions. Your feelings don't dictate your actions. She was like, so you're going to have to keep moving and be uncomfortable, right? And so me making that choice to leave my job and follow what I felt like God was telling me to do and do that and know what that uncomfortable feeling felt like, whenever Ashley grabbed my hand and made me get on the stage, it was like, okay, this is that same feeling. This is the discomfort that breeds growth, right? This is the discomfort of the seed being planted in the ground and then ultimately being watered to blossom. Since she calling it can't come to work. Oh, that's ghetto. It's the fifth. Deadline was the first. Oh, that's ghetto. Payroll do again. Pockets hurt. Oh, that's ghetto. Good idea. Now we buying merch. Oh, that's ghetto. Payment mix. Oh, the ghetto. Say she quit. Oh, the ghetto. Laid on your rent. Rent is ghetto. New event. Oh, the ghetto. Invoice in. That ain't ghetto. Money spin. Oh, that's ghetto. Hold on. It's kind of ghetto being a CEO. All right. We ready to bring our guests to the stage. First guest on this live recording of Ghetto CEO will be none other than the history maker herself, Miss Kimberly O'Neill. Next to the stage, I'm gonna bring my new good girlfriend, Miss Bridget Pierre of Brand BP Marketing. Keeping us sweet, Miss Sally Cruz of Skin by Sally Nicole. This is a special episode. We are doing a live recording 
at the Sell More on Social Conference, and I got some of my favorite people with me, okay? I'm going to let y'all introduce yourselves, but listen, the Ghetto CEO podcast is all about telling the stories, healing for our, from our traumas of being a CEO. Yeah. See, when I created the Ghetto CEO podcast, I didn't know that it was going to be created to heal me, okay? So, I want to introduce our panel. Come on, Sally. Hello, my name is Sally Nicole Cruz. I'm a licensed esthetician and master sugarist owner of Sally Nicole Skin and Beauty Boutique. And real quick, Myra, do you remember when you posted a picture of you and Pinky Cole and I put my face over Pinky Cole's and was like, I'm going to be on the podcast. I thought it would be like a year from now, but it's today. So yes, manifest what you want. Okay, because here it is. Thanks, thanks. What's up, y'all? I am Bridget Pryor. I am the visionary behind Brand BP Marketing. Um, we specialize in creating done-for-you content for our clients 90 days at a time so that we can help you build the brand behind your business and give a voice to your vision. And hello, everyone. My name is Kimberly O'Neill. I'm an award-winning professor, community capacity builder, and licensed nonprofit consultant. I'm the CEO of Giving Blueprint, and I focus on equitable solutions for black communities, focusing specifically on social and economic mobility. Yes, y'all, we got some beasts on this stage. <laughs> Listen, I want to ask you guys a couple questions. I'm going to let you guys ask questions as well. But I want to know, like, what's the most ghettoest part about being a CEO? Anybody can take that one. I would say the most ghettoest part is one week you can make a thousand dollars, and the next week you can make fifty dollars. <laughs> The income varies. You talk about a variable income. When I used to work um, in corporate America, it was a fixed income. You knew every yeah. two weeks or a week how much you were getting. When you became a, when you become a CEO, those that income is so variable. You like one week, yes, I'm on top of the world. It's lit. The next week, you like, okay, y'all, do the door. How much do DoorDash pay? Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me do Uber Eats or something. Like, it's just, it's so ghetto when it comes to the income, for sure. And I agree. Like, how many of us can testify to that? Amen. Listen, <laughs> it doesn't matter, like, where you are in revenue. No. Yeah, it gets no. ghetto. If y'all watch the episode with Judy, she literally talks about, she is a $20 million company. And she said she goes without paying herself sometimes to pay inventory. Yeah. Yeah. Girl. Ghetto. Bridget, ghetto. what's ghetto? Ghetto. Um, I think for me it's when I feel like I've mastered something and then something else show up and be like, nah. You know what I'm saying? You really don't know what you're doing, actually. <laughs> actually, I just felt like I got my foot in and then something comes and it's like, okay, now I got to figure out how to run a bank on a website. Now I got to figure out how to automate something. Now I got to figure out how to send these invoices and not, you know, it's, it just feels like you are always learning. Every time you feel like you master something, there's always another level. I think mastery just allows me to realize when you master, you're entering into another level or zone. And in that level of zone, now it's something new to learn. Right, 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 right. I think it's two things. One are the expenses that go along. Right? <laughs> People get real happy when they hear your numbers, yeah. but they don't know those bills that go right back out. Ooh. Right? So that's one. 
The one thing, and I've had to monitor my temperament, because I am that New Yorker in my spirit still, <laughs> is when these big companies try to play you small. Mm. And they don't think that you are willing to go to an attorney to review your contracts. Period. Um, and that they want to take extended amount of time to figure out, oh, we're going to renew. Well, when? Because it's got to go to my attorney to review. Right. Right, not the day of, not the day after. And I think that's been the biggest frustration I think over the past three years is them thinking when you're a smaller business that we don't act in the same way that they do. Mm. No, I love that. And I think sometimes we will like not play big, no. right? Y'all no. ever had a moment like that where you feel like you, okay, they a little bigger than me. I'm talking to yeah. Coca-Cola right now or I'm talking yeah. to Amazon, but to know they need to respect you. Thanks. Okay, and respect what you are bringing to the table. I think it's for sure, like too many people, especially smaller business owners, minority business owners, black business owners, mm -hmm. black women. Mm -hmm. In entrepreneurship, we get too excited that we've been invited to the table. Mm. Yes. And we will sign on the dotted Let line. Let you testify out. We see right? <laughs> And we will sign on the dotted line without knowing what we're signing. Yeah. And we have no idea if we have a way out, if we get a, if they get penalized, if they pay us late, we're afraid to, you didn't pay me for 60 days. Well, I can't wait 60 days to get paid, mm -hmm. right? Or negotiate. But we can't play small because that's the reason why it does happen. Mm -hmm. But when you start kicking language back to them, yeah. attorney, review, I need protection too. Yeah. I want 1.5% if you are 30 days, more than 30 days after it's due. Yeah. On that first day, you owe me 1.5% of that invoice. If we stop playing small, it makes them respond differently. P.S. The people that we're negotiating with are W-2. Remember, you're the 1099. Mm. Mm. This is mine. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> Yes, I love it. So a couple of you guys actually started as W-2 and then you transitioned into 1099. And I know some people in the audience and there's some people that's listening to this are either trying to make that transition or trying to go into what that looks like. Tell me a little bit about your journey and what made you have the courage to say today is the day I'm going to choose me. That job was ghetto. Okay, well, See, it, being a CEO is ghetto, but in real life, that, that job was, it was ghetto. Um, but my transition, I tell people all the time, I had my first job when I was 13, right? And from that moment, I knew that I was not meant to work for somebody else. Um, but I didn't believe, right? So I went through all of these different steps, worked all of these different jobs, ended up in corporate, all of those things. And basically, God had to make me uncomfortable, right? To the point where physically, it felt like, man, I can't keep showing up here every day. Like, what I'm doing is not fulfilling to me. And what's the point, right? And then, you know, people play on your top and stuff like that. And I ain't trying to go to jail. So, you know what I mean? I, I just had to had to leave. But that journey, honestly, for me looked like me being um, honest with God and being like, all right, God, I'm, I'm ready this time, right? Because I had said I was ready a couple of times before that and then went and got another job. But 
that's neither here nor there. Um, and so I prayed about it, right? I can remember to the day um, I, I resigned from my job on January 14th of 2022. August 2021, in my shower, I prayed and was like, God, I'm for real this time, right? I know I, I played with you before and told you I was going to leave or whatever, and I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but I'm for real this time. When I told God I was for real, God gave me a blueprint, right? Like how Ashley was talking up here about when, when you are told to do something or you have strategy, follow it, right? God gave me a blueprint of how much money I needed to save, what I needed to automate in my business, how much debt I needed to pay off, and the exact day I was going to turn in my two-week resignation. I fought that all the way up until I turned it in. And every time, God would be like, nah, December 18th, 2021, you're going to turn in your two weeks and you're going to tell him you're gone. And when I left, it felt like a weight was lifted off of my shoulders. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And he didn't kept me every day since then. He's put me in community. He's put me on stages ever since then. And so it did feel like, man, how I'm going to do this? But ultimately, the reward outweighed the fears or the challenge ultimately together yeah. I know for me um I loved my when I was working um right out of college I was working as a case manager teaching girls um STD and HIV prevention as well as helping pregnant parents and teens navigate the system in a sense and I loved it it was the most flexible job it didn't pay much but on a Friday at 12 o'clock, you could say, I'm going to lunch, I'm going to the home visit, and you're going to go home, okay? <laughs> so that was a job for me. But then I transitioned to another job, and the very first day I started, I knew I wasn't going to last because the supervisor gave me a list of projects due that Friday. I said, this is the first week. We're supposed to figure out where the lunch spots is at. You're supposed to give me my password to the computer, introduce me to IT, and I got projects due. So I was like, um, no, I could tell she was a micromanager, and that's when I knew I had to do something different because I said, wow, I've never experienced a micromanager before. I'm a self-starter. I don't need you on my back. We was having meetings before the project, meetings about the project, meetings during the project, and the meetings after the project was done. Ma'am, how many meetings do we need to have here? Girl, you know, I'm going to do this. It was, so, it was just too ghetto for me. So then I said, you know what? I was going to get facials at this school nearby, and I was asking a girl, like, y'all really get paid to do facials and waxing and stuff? Like, this is a legit career? Mm -hmm. She said, yeah, I think you will be really good at this. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. So I quit. My, my coworker and I were always joking about her going to sell frozen yogurt, us going to sell frozen yogurt in Virginia because our job was just really, really terrible. So... I ended up quitting my job in one week enrolling into aesthetic school. And I came back to her and I was like, girl, I'm about to go sell Froyo. Like, I can't do this anymore. So I quit my job. And then within three years of quitting my job and going to aesthetic school, I was able to open up my own space. And then a year after that, I was able to go full time. And this was back so, almost yes. eight years ago. Y'all yes. turn up yes. for that. Yes. I love it. Okay, so Bridgie, going back to your answer, you talked about it being uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people think that we're going to, when it's time to transition, right, into our next career or our own business, we think that it's going to be like this pearly gate that opens. Mm. It's going to be this, <laughs> like, like something is just going to feel different, right? Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about it being uncomfortable, because you also talked about yesterday that you had that same feeling when you joined the mastermind. Yeah. And so what has being uncomfortable 
done for you in your business? Mm, that's good. So um, being uncomfortable has helped me to grow. Right. And we hear people talk all the time about like, you know, you have to get uncomfortable to grow. And sometimes that be sounding cliche because they're like, girl, OK, but I like to be comfortable. OK, <laughs> I buy clothes to be comfortable, shoes to be comfortable. I want my bed to be comfortable. But um, in all honesty, every uncomfortable period made me better. It took me to another level. Um, so whenever I left, in all honesty, I thought I was going to get them pearly gates. Right. Because in my mind. Mind, like I had been running my business part-time while I was working, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking I'm about to have more time. That means more money because more clients because I got more time. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. It's about to be lit. Right. I'm about to make so much money because I got all of this time, all of the people who've been trying to work with me, I'm going to be able to work with them now. Like it's just going to be a floodgate of money and people. <laughs> um, but that's not really what it was, right? So whenever I left... It was, um, yes, I have more time, but now to run a business full time, it requires more of me. I actually have to have systems. I actually need a process. I actually have to put stuff in place. And that was uncomfortable for me because I'm also a person who um, I like to be good at stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, and entrepreneurship, being a CEO, a lot of what you learn is the stuff that you're not good at. So you know how to outsource that to somebody else. So that was uncomfortable. Like, man, what in the hell is this? Like, how am I not good at this? How do I not know how to just easily flow in that? Um, but I think in me making that transition and being uncomfortable by leaving my job, whenever the opportunity came to join the mastermind, I, I could recognize that uncomfortable feeling, right? And so I could discern the difference between, because sometimes we feel like discomfort means don't do it. And that's not what that means, right? And shout out to my therapist, okay? If y'all ain't got one, y'all should get y'all a therapist. Shout out to her, girl. If you okay. watch this, shout out to you. But my therapist told me, she said, um, she said, you know, I understand. I was explaining to her, you know, a situation. She was like, I understand it's uncomfortable. She was like, but uncomfortable doesn't give you the green light or the red light to stop. She was like, it cannot dictate your actions. Your feelings don't dictate your actions. She was like, so you're going to have to keep moving and be uncomfortable, right? And so me making that choice to leave my job and follow what I felt like God was telling me to do and do that and know what that uncomfortable feeling felt like, whenever Ashley grabbed my hand and made me get on the stage, it was like, okay, this is that same feeling. This is the discomfort that breeds growth, right? This is the discomfort of the seed being planted in the ground and then ultimately being watered to blossom. Right. I love that. Y'all give that give it up for Bridget. <laughs> and I think, like you said, a lot of people feel like discomfort means that you stop. Yep. And sometimes discomfort means that you go. Yep. And I literally, before you said that, I recognized that every moment that we've talked about, or every moment that I knew that you were discomfortable, you grew. Yeah. And I was like, that's the sign. Maybe that is the sign. Because I re also remember in our coaching, right? Yeah. I was like, Bridget, we got to do a new offer. Like, this is not it. <laughs> and she came back to me, and I was like, Bridget, right after the offer, this is what I need you to do. Mm -hmm. And she comes back to me, and I was like, you need to charge about this much mm -hmm. for this to make sense. Y'all, when I tell you she was giving away the kitchen sink, <laughs> 
She was like, you gonna get a horse, a house, a car, a bus, and I'm going to drive you to your kids' soccer game. Like, it was like everything. And I was like, Bridget, like just because you wanna charge five figures does not mean that you have to give everything, right? And so that was another moment yeah. that you were uncomfortable. Tell us about that and tell us about what happened afterwards. Child, listen, I know that exact moment. Okay, that was our, um, our um, VIP days. <laughs> and, and then, first of all, let me tell you something. When Murray tell you that she gonna meet you in a separate room, when she tell you to go to a different breakout room, you know, just prepare your mind, okay? Because she was like, yeah, so um, we gonna go to break and then Bridget, you meet me in the breakout room. But I'm like, all right, okay, I'll meet you over there. Um, but I think that goes back to um, me kind of learning um, how to be confident, right? And not to play small. And I think I felt like I had to throw the kitchen sink in because I need to show you that I'm worth these five figures that I want you to pay me. And then when you came back, it was like, Bridget, girl, you practically selling the people your body. What is going on? Like, we're not doing this. <laughs> um, but that helped me to realize that the value isn't me, right? The value isn't in all of these thousands of things that I'm going to list for you. And when you helped me to see that, right after that, I was able to book somebody in that offer. Yeah. And, and look, Marie called me on the phone. I'm like, why well, I'm getting this call? And I'm, I answered his mother. She was like, Bridget, you was not hype enough. You just going to casually drop in the group that you didn't book somebody in this offer. And I was like, Marie, I know I'm so excited. But yeah, I mean, once you helped me to see that the, the value is in me, right? Then I was able to go and, and sell it because now I understand that it's not in the, the things that I'm listing on the sheet. It's in the relationship that you're going to get when you work with me. Yes, and I recognize that. Y'all give it up for Bridget. <laughs> Listen, because that moment, y'all don't know. Like, for me, coaching is more, of, more about y'all mm -hmm. than me. And I be so excited when I hear y'all success. Like, I literally will FaceTime you, call you, look your number up in a second. <laughs> and Bridget dropped this in the group. Like, it was maybe a week later. Yeah. Maybe a yeah. week later, and she was oh, like, yeah. I just closed my first client with a new <laughs> offer. Y'all was running around the house. I was like, we're on number I gotta call her, I gotta call her. <laughs> because I was just so excited that you chose you, and that you finally saw the value in you, and I'm like, okay, now it's go time. You know what I'm saying? Now we could put some gasoline on it. And I think a lot of times people think coaching is supposed to be nice and friendly. But I push y'all out of y'all comfort zones. And you may not like me. And I'm completely okay with that because you have called me to push you to greatness. And so it doesn't matter if I have to tell you, girl, I don't care about them excuses. Put them babies to bed and get to work, right? Yeah. You, didn't, you didn't hire me to play soft. Right? right yeah. I have to push you to your LeBron season. Facts. Okay? Facts. And Facts. so, Kim, we have, listen, me and Kim have been knowing each other for a while now, but um, what I realized is that, like I said, with coaching, we push you. And sometimes, I think as you choose a coach, because so, sometimes people say, how do you choose what coaches for what season, right? And I, I always look at, the when I choose a coach, 
I'm looking at, do I want to do what they're doing, and can they push me further than where I am now, right? And at the last event at homecoming, you had an epiphany, and you had an aha moment. Tell us a little bit about that. Child, because I had a few. <laughs> I had a few. Which one? Because I had honestly... Your conference. Oh, that one. Yes. <laughs> so for, I want to say 10 years, there's been something on my to-do list. It was to have a multi-day conference for nonprofit organizations. And at our last day, I decided we're just going for it. And so that conference is later this summer. Let's yes. go. Y'all turn up. And I think it is, right, because... Marketing is not my thing, right? I've, I've worked based on referrals. People are sending things your way because of my reputation and things like that. But that's not the road to the million, right? That's, that's the road to just replacing income mm -hmm. and to make sure I'm taken care of and that I can pay my bills and all of those things. But I am a coach and I give so much that sometimes I forget that I also need right, to get to the next level. And I'm gonna share one thing, cause I was in Cancun last year, and I was scrolling on Instagram, and Monray has like, well, I feel like working with people one-on-one, -on -one, so 30 minutes with me for this amount. And when I tell you I jumped so fast, <laughs> that the person I was traveling with, my, my time with Monray was while I was on vacation. And I got so excited because she was like, I've never seen anybody get that excited for like a coaching call. I was like, it's my time for Mom Ray. But I knew at that moment that she was the next person for my season of growth. I knew from that moment why I do things harder because I was doing it the ghetto way, for sure. <laughs> right? We had 30 minutes, I think it was like 15 minutes. I was like, I got what I need. I don't have anything else to ask her because at that moment I knew I needed to hang up so I could get moving, yeah. right? So I've had a few over this, since that day forward, but jumping to do the conference, that was my own goal that I had put off for a decade. I'd done, I've done webinars, I've done one day summits. I mean, that's not an issue, but to do multi-day requires a different level of effort a different level of commitment. There's some fear, a lot of excitement too, but that was my epiphany, like, I just need to get this done. Yeah. Right? And so. I love that because I tell y'all all the time, tell Kim, I'm like, girl, you are a beast. The world needs to know who you are and they need to respect who you are, right? And as I choose, like my coach, I always also say, if I'm in the room and they give me new ideas, like, if I'm around them and I start to get inspiration, if I'm around them and new ideas kind of start flowing and just being connected yeah. to your aura, to your spirit, it helps me feel more aligned on my journey than you are who I am supposed to be aligned with, right? For sure. And I think, you know, even, not intentionally, my marketing efforts, I was like, oh, we, we posting to be posting, yeah. right? So I'm supposed to be on Facebook today and Instagram tomorrow. Why I got to do this TikTok thing, right? <laughs> I didn't understand, right. right, why I had to do it. And now when we have our group calls and if my race shows anything for a hot second on social media or in our group calls, I was like, I want to learn how to do that. Yeah. Like, it's the systems. It's the 
for once in my life, I can go to someone else that can tell me exactly what to do and I don't have to figure it out and I don't have to be the teacher in that moment. Yeah, right? And we are, when we don't give ourselves permission to do that yep. because of pride or whatever, I'm a forever student. It doesn't matter what I've done. There's nobody doper than her right now right. for me, right? And so that's important that I have access to the best so that I can elevate in this season for my business. Yeah. That's for sure. I knew marketing was the thing that was keeping me away from going to that next big level. Mm, I love that. Y'all give it up for Kim. <laughs> Listen, I know we also have some moms in the building. Any moms? Any? Everybody got some kids? <laughs> Sally, <laughs> you are a new mom. Yes, a new but mom. But you are killing it. Talk to oh. us a little bit about what it was like to own your business before Girl. you were a mom and now that you've made that transition because you you prioritize your baby. Absolutely. And I love that. He is the most important thing to me, um, 100%. Prior to my son, well, I'm 37. I'll be 38 in July. So I had my son when I was... Um, so I birthed him at 37 years old. And part of that was me being scared to become a mom and wondering, can I run my business the way I want and become a mom at the same time? Because I do have a very super supportive hands-on husband, but a lot always will fall on the mom because you the mom, okay? So, and a lot of times you want to be there and do all the things you need to do for your child or children. So it took me a long time to transition. Prior to business, I was working from open to close, okay? Like whatever, it's like 10 a.m. until constantly bringing people in, money rolling through the door. It was Gucci, okay? <laughs> Loved it, Gucci. Um, then I made that switch, okay? I decided to take, I saved up close to $50,000 to be able to take off for as long as I want with my child because I wanted that option. I didn't want to have to go back for six weeks or after six weeks. I didn't want to have to go back in a certain amount of time. But in full transparency, taking off for five months was the best thing I could have done for my family, but the worst thing I could have done for my business. Mm. Okay, and this is me publicly yeah. first time ever saying that because my business took a major, major hit. And it was, it was heartbreaking for me because my hours went down to part-time. Yeah. I was working full-time. My hours went down to part-time. My um, clientele, of course, I'm going for five months. People are used to coming to me every four to six weeks. So, of course, they may have gotten used to somebody else. They may have went elsewhere, which is totally fine. People can go wherever they want to go to. Yeah. But in a sense, you feel like, your clientele, if you're in a service industry, you feel like your clientele become your friends. Right. But that's not true. Yeah. They're just clients. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was grateful for the clients that came back, but hurt that the ones who couldn't come back for whatever reason. So making that transition was hard for me because I was like, yo, it's because I had a baby. You know, and I'm like, dang, like business was popping. Now yeah. I have a baby, I'm working part-time because of daycare and this, that, and the third. But it's crazy because I joined the mastermind in February. I said, you know what? I'm going to stop being upset. I'm going to stop crying about it, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to try to think of other ways to bring in income. I'm going to try to figure out what else I can do to make my business better 
and to see the next level for my business because it wasn't a, a thing as in God took something away from me, but I feel like he removed so much and gave me more time to think of other things to do like social media content. Because before I wasn't posting much, I didn't, why, why post? I had my clients, they were coming once a month. What do I need to post for? <laughs> but now I'm posting more because I need to bring new people in the door. So I'm like, I'm going to be on this straight like, hey, you know? So, joined the mastermind and just learning from my Ray and just her pushing me and I was able to make the most I ever made working part-time than I did working full-time. Come on now. So yeah, turn up. it wasn't the amount of clients. Yes. It wasn't the hours. Nope. It was the the for me it was just niching down and figuring out the best ways to go about my business. So I will say this if you are in a position where you have children or you want to become a mom, you can't let that stop you. I said I'm not letting my son stop me. He's going to fuel me yes. to do better. Yes. He's going to fuel me to make sure I show up when my when my business is open, I show up and even on the days that I'm closed, I still am showing up. I put him to bed early if I need to. I stay up late if I have to. Yeah. I was able to stop. I worked on, I've worked Saturdays for the past 12 years. I no longer work Saturdays. I, as much as I would love to work on a Saturday, get, you know, get those clientele, that's a family day for me and my son. Yeah. You know, I don't want him to grow up in the shop. I just really don't. Yeah. He gonna help out, but I don't want him to grow up in the shop. <laughs> so oh, he gonna work. He gonna work. You know. Work. But yeah. So balancing family and and it's, it really made a difference. And I'm just grateful that I'm able to make a full time income and have a full time schedule on yeah. part time hours. That's awesome. I love that. Y'all give yeah. it up. And I think that's so important because sometimes you need another lens to give you some insight into how we maximize what we're doing. And I remember on our first call, I was like, Sally, what's the goal? What are we trying to achieve? Because I'm going to hear your goal, then I'm going to be my own goal. Right. <laughs> and so, a lot of, because y'all be playing too small for me. I'm like, <laughs> we do. I'm, I'm, like, I'm competitive. I'm like, like, I'm like, we got to win. I just put 10000 a month. She was like, um, I think you could do eighteen. I was like, uh, <laughs> Right. And so I remember on the call, and you were like, listen, I want to prioritize my son. Yes. And I also, but I want to work. I want to get this money, right? right? And we also, we just figured out how can we maximize the hours that we have. Right. And then how can we continue to expand to offer other things to bring us up? And I always talk to us about, like, we are experts. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we are experts and we need to share to the world that we are experts. Right. right. And I had no money to join the mastermind. I, my income cut in half. But I joined because I said I'm trusting in myself, I'm trusting in God, and I'm trusting in my right. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's going to work out. And it has not. You know, that car go through every month, don't it? Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and I ain't never get no decline. All <laughs> time. We appreciate you. <laughs> You also have a supportive husband. I know. Oh my Listen, husband anybody is, got a man in here? My yes, man, my man, my man. He is so supportive. He's yeah. having his major event today, and I've never missed his event in the past 12 years. But he was like, babe, we are in a new season. I know how much this means to me. You love my race. <laughs> Go on down there and enjoy the conference. And I've been keeping him posted, and he is just so proud of me and just super, super so, excited. Yeah. 
he's in this, he's in a, he actually introduced me to the mastermind world. Cause when he dropped money for a mastermind, I said, you did, what did, what you mean you dropped this much money for a mastermind? <laughs> da, 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 da. But he brought me into that world and I saw it and I was like, oh, I need to come into that world too. You yeah. know what I mean? No, absolutely. And I think, um, as we go on this journey, I think the, the biggest cheat code I've had is definitely Eric. Right. For sure. Um, Eric has been here for the entire journey. Y'all probably haven't seen him, but he back there in the production room. Y'all wave at him. <laughs> um, so, but he has been the biggest cheat code to this Absolutely. business. You know, Absolutely. and we started, he we I started my business when I was 19, but I started dating or talking. He said we one day, but we went together real bad. <laughs> you might be mine, okay. You I was 21 and so he's seen this journey from figuring it out and telling me that I had a talent to now watching me be on stage and supporting me every step of the way and I know a lot of people in this room if especially in your relationship it could go either way yeah. you know what I'm saying you can either have a supportive man that's like I, I'm rooting for you right or yeah. you can have a man that's like I don't know about that you know exactly. what I'm saying and so or I, one that's in the middle oh yeah like uh, really proud of you, but you gotta make time for me too. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, you gotta right. be able to balance it off. Right. And Bridget, yeah. my best friend, right? <laughs> First of all, if we start playing games together, Uno space or whatever, we are now best friends, okay? <laughs> but you have a boyfriend as well. I do. And talk a little bit about was there ever a point in your relationship that y'all had to talk about entrepreneurship or figure out what this was now going to look like in this new season? Um, because like I said, some people in the room are, may not have that support that yeah. others may have. And so how should they navigate when they're trying to invest or grow or go to the next level? Yeah. Um, so yeah, shout out to John. You know what I'm saying? If you what so the crazy thing about it is before I quit my job, months before that, John had been telling me to quit. He was like, I mean, you already know that you can do this, right? So you might as well step into it and just do it because the more you kind of teeter and totter on it, like, oh, maybe I can do it, maybe I can't. He was like, but you already know. Like, we already, he, he always says the proof is in the numbers. Right. He was like, the proof is already in the numbers. You know you're doing it, right? Are people paying you to do it? Do you right. have the people already? Well, you know you can do it. So um, he has always been very supportive, right? One of the funny things, though, is that um, John is a tourist. Um, That's why he's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> he is an introvert. Right? I am an extrovert. And so with support, I was expecting him to support me the way I wanted to be supported, right? So I wanted John to show up with like pom-poms and be my cheerleader, you know what I'm saying? I wanted him to be like, ooh, baby, you doing good, girl, all right, that's my baby. Like, I wanted him to be on a thousand. T-shirt with your picture. Hello, put my picture on and be like, this my woman, this what she do. On the back, this her number, call her. You know what I'm saying? I wanted that type of energy. Meanwhile, John is very quiet, he's gonna send me stuff that be like, hey, look, I saw this, you should do this. You need me to come set something up at the event? I'm going to set this stuff up at the event. Yeah. I'm going to sit in the back of the room. Yeah. Don't really put too much attention on me. You know what I'm saying? Don't really say too much. Um, but whatever I'm doing, he going to stand 10 toes behind me, yeah. right? Um, also, John is very literal. 
right? Uh, I like to call us a, um, a kite and him the anchor. I'm the kite. I like to fly. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I like to dream. I'm a big dreamer. John is going to look at the numbers of things, the reality of things. He's going to keep me anchored, right? So when it came down to the mastermind, first of all, I had enjoyed this mastermind. You know what I'm saying? And then I had to go back to the house and be like, hey, Hey, you know, hey, man, I had joined this. Um, I had went over there with my right now, you know what I'm saying? Remember I told you I was going over there with my right now, and she had got on the stage, and she was saying all of these things. And then I had felt it in my spirit, and Ashley was sitting next to me. And so, <laughs> and so you know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, he don't even know Ashley, because I just met Ashley, you know what I'm saying? But remember I had told you about Ashley when I called you in the, on the things and stuff, and so I had joined the mastermind, you know what I'm saying? And he was like, okay, but how much that's going to cost? Like, how much does it cost of you? And I was like, oh, you know, it costs, uh, you know, this is about what it costs. And he was like, okay, well, if that's what you feel like it's going gonna, it's gonna to take. He was like, if that's what you feel like it's going to take you to the next level and help you to grow. You know what I'm saying? And so I think for me, uh, it's big to have that support. I love the fact that he believes in everything that I can do, but it also took me having a mindset shift to realize that support doesn't always look exactly how I wanted support to look, right? Ooh, that's, that's good. Y'all, give it up for Bridget. Yeah. <laughs> so we are about to head into Q&A so we can get some people to the, oh, we ain't got no mics on, y'all. <laughs> so hard because I definitely feel like that, right? I'm like, Eric, why aren't you got my picture on your face? Fact. Like, I mean, your, my picture on your shirt. Like, what's, what's going on? We want to hype us. When we get our nails done, you need to be taking pictures. Yeah, Y'all don't know how many times I be tell, like, I would ask John, be like, babe, you can take my picture. And he take it, I'd be like, no, not get down. You know what I'm saying? Catch the angles. You know what I mean? Like, I need you to do a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? I need you to catch everything. Be excited. Right. No, absolutely. And one thing that I realized um, as I was invested in myself, that men think a little bit differently, mm. right? Mm. And as I started to invest in myself, I make emotional decisions. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, she's my friend. Right. She loves me. <laughs> she, this was so great. And then but, you go home or you're trying to call your man and tell them that all that hype, hype, hype. They like, man, what's the facts? Right? And so I had to start going to Eric with the facts. Like, this is what's happening. This is what I'm going to do. Because a lot of times the people that don't necessarily believe, that it's not that they don't believe in us. They've just seen all of our failures. Yep. Absolutely. They've yep. had a front seat to all the times we said we was going to do it. Yep. Starting and stopping stuff. Starting and stopping. Starting and stopping. Using Man. up all the money, Man. the credit cards and everything. Right? And so they just want to make sure that you're serious. You yeah. know? And so I had to start going to Eric with a plan. Like, yeah. this is what I'm doing. Yeah. This is, I'm going to, baby, we're doing this together, okay? <laughs> this is what we're doing. These are the facts, and this is how I, 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 what I'm going to do with this, and give me 90 days, yeah. right? In 90 days, I'm going to be able to do this. And I, I started to realize, like, the, the litter, the facts made sense to him. When I was calling him crying and hooping and hollering, it wasn't working, you know? <laughs> and so, continuing that conversation a little bit, talk to me, and as we are on the Ghetto CEO Podcast, and being a CEO is very, very, very ghetto. Very. <laughs> talk to me about a moment in time in your business where you felt maybe the lowest, you felt like you wanted to quit, 
but you got the courage to keep going. And you guys can go to this mic to the left if you guys have a question for the panel. The lowest in my business. Whew, I don't think I had a few of those moments. Um, the lowest in my business. So this is pre-Obamacare. Is <laughs> when I paid a whole lot for insurance and I didn't use it other than preventative care. So I paid like 10 grand that year for insurance. Yeah, it wasn't regulated back then. And I had to make some serious decisions because of the expenses. And I felt like I'm giving up so much. I was making six figures. And I don't think I'm going to hit that this year. And so it's, it was the fear of being the oldest. It was the fear of being the caregiver. It was the fear of I'm the responsible one on both sides of my family. It was, who in the heck do I talk to? There was no community. There was no startup community. Coaches didn't identify with what I needed culturally. And so they would say things, and I'm like, I don't have no friends and family to go get this money from. My mama want me to be back in government. And it was the lowest point. I never regretted leaving my job, but I remember it was a dark season. It was really, really dark. And I don't really think I talk about that a lot because everybody will look at you and think everything is perfect. You're the one that has it together. So when people keep sharing that kind of stuff with you, it makes it harder to be vulnerable, ask for help. And so I would say for probably seven or eight months, I suffered in silence by myself. And that was a very, very dark season. I knew I wasn't going back to the government, but I knew I'd do whatever I needed to do to make sure my bills were paid. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, and I've never even talked about this publicly, <clears throat> but I just feel so compelled to share, but I was opening up my own spa, and I was going a 1,000 miles a minute, probably wasn't sleeping, and I found myself in a psych ward because I was so stressed and I had a mental breakdown and I had no idea what was going on. And I opened up my spa still and I was depressed for 22 months. Functioning, but depressed because I went from working in a busy hair salon with a bunch of people and whenever I had a little break, I could go downstairs, chit-chat with my friends and talk stuff and do whatever, but then I opened up a solo space and I was by myself with my own thoughts. But I had to keep going because I just opened up. How am I going to close this, take care of my mental health when I just opened and bills need to be paid and debt needs to be paid off as a result of opening up this business? So how am I going to do this? How I did it, I put my lipstick on every day, and I just showed up. I got yes. counseling, therapy, yes. prayer, yes. my supportive husband, yes. my family, my friends, my sorors. I seriously just said, Sally, you have to keep going because one day you will be able to help out 
so many other people. And I do when I talk to them and I get to the nitty gritty of a conversation with someone and I pull out, they tell me what their mental issues are. And I'm like, sis, yeah, I put together. Yeah. But sometimes my cheese slide off my cracker. Yeah. I ain't even gonna hold you. If I get a little too stressed, yeah. my pug be like, babe, you, you one second away from going back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you right, let me chill. Let me sit down. So, you know what I'm saying? Our mental health is so important, and you never know what is going to cause you to break. Right. I love that. Can you I know? Yeah. Can I add, before we go on, because you said lipstick. And that was, that's a pivotal word for me. My mother doesn't believe in entrepreneurship. Get a job, keep a job, and retire. And I called her bawling one day because I didn't have anybody else. She said, if you don't remember where you're from, put on your red lipstick and get out there. And so every time I'm down now, I put on my red lipstick and I get out there because the one person who was like, so you quit your good job? <sighs> You're gonna be broke, we're gonna have to take care of you. Like, that was like the fear. But every time, and to this day, my mother says, you put on your lipstick today? And so, find that thing. So when you said lipstick, I was like, that was the turning point for me. It was the person that, I'm not going to say didn't believe in me, but didn't support it, yeah. was the one that said, if you don't remember who you are and where you're from and put on that red lipstick and you better go out there and get it done. Yeah. And, and join. Yes. And one last thing is, is get in a community. What pulled me out of my depression, honestly, was meeting my friend Tasha in 2019, joining her hiking group, getting out, hiking, meeting some new people, having fun, traveling, and just being a part and even a part of this community and this yeah. season for my life is like incredible and just moving you to the next level. So be around like-minded individuals. Yes, I love that. Yes. Well, sis, they done told me my time is up, up here, <laughs> but we gonna get your question after this, okay? All right, so before we go, can y'all just quickly give us your win from joining this community? What has been you could say your biggest win or some wins that you've had from joining this community. I would say for me, my biggest win is just being pushed to the next level. When I meet with my Ray each month, I have to have something to show for it. I cannot be accountable to myself, but I can't be accountable to somebody else. So that's my biggest win is just being able to show up and be consistent with everything that I'm doing because I know I have somebody that has my back. Yes. Um, my biggest win is, so I told y'all I quit my job in January 2022. Um, so my biggest win is that I've been full-time in my business for over a year. And y'all know statistically, businesses don't last past a year. Yes. And so now that I'm in this community, I feel like it was the community that helped me get over that hurdle and it's allowing me to continue to grow. My mindset changed. That's it. My mindset changed in a big way. So I see you at a million. <laughs> Period. Y'all give it up for this panel. Was this amazing or was this amazing? 
Y'all, thank y'all so much. I know they're going to come get these shares, but thank you guys so much for joining us on the Ghetto CEO Podcast. Listen, thank y'all for tuning in to this special episode of the Ghetto CEO Podcast. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Make sure all y'all pull out y'all phones right now. Okay, go on Apple Music, Spotify, leave a review. You just saw an episode. It was live, okay? Leave a review. Leave us five stars and tell us that we are amazing, okay? <laughs> Thank y'all.